You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. We talked about prayer last week, and if you want to check it out, you can go on our podcast. It's free on iTunes. We'll be archiving all of our services so you can listen to it and become skilled in the Word of God. If you have your Bible tonight, go with me to the book of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Someone say amen. Amen. Luke chapter 4. And the Lord told me to minister in uh, the second week. He gave me the topics, but to minister on the topic, the need for deliverance. Someone say deliverance. deliverance. The need for deliverance. Deliverance, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Deliverance is the ministry of Jesus. So you say, why are you preaching on deliverance? Because if we don't preach on deliverance, then we are cutting and relegating Jesus to just another teacher. So without deliverance, Jesus' messages was no different than perhaps Buddha, who also taught people to walk in love. There's other religions. Uh, Hindu, I've sat next to these people on the airplane. They believe in walking in love. But do you know that Jesus in the Bible had a ministry where he was setting people free? It says here in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, when Jesus went into the synagogue, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is upon me. Because he has anointed me, he selected me, he has separated me, and he has empowered me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal, someone say heal, heal. the brokenhearted, to preach, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So if you're taking notes, it's important to see that when Jesus got up and defined his ministry, he used a passage of scripture and he says, The Spirit of God has called me not to just preach a nice, happy message. He hasn't called me just to go around saying, Everybody, it's God's love, God is love, God is love, that's good, God is love. But he also said that behind God's love, Behind God's grace, there is a power, and I'm here to tell you that I want to let you know that God wants to liberate you from whatever captivity that you may be in. So when you go into a church, when you go into a ministry, you say, is the ministry of Jesus here? The question you can say is, is there deliverance going on? And you say, what do you mean by deliverance? So if you're taking notes, write this down. Deliverance is the power of the kingdom. When the kingdom of God came to the earth, it came with a power that set bound people free. Amen? Amen. So if the power of deliverance is working in a church, if it's working in a society, then you know what you know? That the kingdom is operating there. You say, is the kingdom of God working? Is this manifestation? You say, is there deliverance? Yes then that's emphasis that God's kingdom is at work. Are you here with me? Yes. I want you to stay with me because anytime I preach deliverance, I tell you what, I have this last 24 hours has been tough. 
I woke up last night at 2 o'clock in the morning tossing and turning, just feeling heavy, feeling like, oh my gosh, why am I feeling depressed? Why am I feeling sad? When you say, well, you're a believer, you're not supposed to feel that way. You know, we're going to see in just a second, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You wrestle against principalities and powers, and they're doing their best to steal from you what Jesus has given to you, and there is a war that you have to fight, and that war sometimes is wrestling, not in your own strength, but in the strength of Christ to push back those powers so you have to get in prayer. Are you here? Are you with me tonight? You get in prayer. You start worshiping God. You start praising God. You say, I put the helmet of salvation on. I put the breastplate of righteousness. Devil, just get this thought out of my mind. Are you here, church? Yes. Yes. Don't make me work hard tonight. My gosh, don't make me work. Jordan, don't make me work hard tonight, man. Amen me. That's what I pay you for. I'm just teasing. So when I, I, so, you know, when I see a group of people, whatever it may be, a family, and inside of that family, there is a reoccurring cycle where they have good days, bad days. They walk in, you know, righteousness for two weeks, then back into sin. You have a family that is doing good for two weeks, and then they're doing bad for two weeks. You have a person who is not fornicating for a week, and then a week later, he's fornicating. Then he's back to not fornicating, then he's fornicating again. He's looking at pornography, but then he's not looking at pornography. Then two weeks later, he's back in it, then he's not in it anymore. Do you know what that tells me? There is a need in this for deliverance, because deliverance is a power that breaks a cycle. Yes. Have you noticed that people a lot of times go full circle with stuff they do this they regret it they go back to this they say okay I'm gonna make a change and then they're right back to this what's going on there has not been a total deliverance of the thing that has been hounding them amen, amen. so God longs to set people free from cycles the only cycle that you should have in your life is cycling through righteousness, cycling through the Word of God, going from glory to glory as by the Spirit. Do you believe that tonight? As Christians, as Christians, we shouldn't be in sin Tuesday and walking in righteousness Wednesday. It should be righteousness Thursday, righteousness Friday, righteousness Saturday. Amen. Amen. You guys here? Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. You can let me build. We say we start slow, we start low and move slow, we rise higher and catch fire, okay? Yeah. Okay, I'm a man's ready. Okay, let me define the terms. You know, when you start writing books or you start having to do papers, they always tell you, define what you mean. My editor, when she started working with me, says, You have a problem in your writing. I said, what's that? She says, you don't define things for people. You say things and expect people to know what you mean by those things. You know what she said to me? Start defining things. Start telling people what you mean when you say things and stop having them think that they assume you know what you're talking about. So if you want to know what deliverance is, when I talk about it, write this down if you're taking notes tonight. Deliverance, when I speak of it in regard to spiritual living. Because you know, there's deliverance from you know, all sorts of things, but in spiritual living, the way I'm using it tonight, is the liberation of human beings from the bondage of sin, the bondage of demons. Oh, don't say that word in church, Brother Palmer. Oh, we're going to say that word in church. We're going to 
pull the ropes on the devil tonight. Amen. Amen. We're going to bring light in the dark places. We're going to talk about how demon powers are a reason why people are in those cycles. That the reason they keep doing what they don't want to do is because there's a power influencing them that can be broke off their life. Do you believe it? Amen. You get say, devil, once you see that it could be a spirit influencing your mind, influencing your will, you say, devil, go in Jesus' name. I break your power. That's right. Amen. Nah, I don't believe in all that stuff. Well, you stay bound. We're going free tonight. Amen. Amen. Liberation of human beings from the bondage of sin, demons, and all other works of the devil through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. I didn't say through the power of whatever you hear on talk shows today. Didn't say through the power of politics or any politician. Let me tell you, you don't like the country the way it is, the next president, you're still not going to like the way the country it is. Okay, write this down and you take notes. Let me define to you when I say bondage, what I mean by bondage. Oh, brother, why are you talking about sin? Let's just talk about, you know, happy things in Jesus. No, no, we're going to talk about this so we can see the outcome. Oh, man, I don't want to be too heavy with you, but we're going to see what Jesus set us free from. Bondage is slavery. And involuntary servitude. So if you are serving something involuntarily, you're in bondage. It's the state of being bound by some external power or control. And so when I speak of it in regards to spiritual living, what I'm talking about is the enslavement of human beings, even Christians, to the devil's control. You say, you mean Christians can be in bondage? Isn't it already obvious? <laughs> they shouldn't be in bondage, then they're not saved. No, I know a lot of people that love Jesus. I counsel people that love Jesus. They call me and say, but Chris, you don't understand. I just can't get rid of this thing. You know what? They are Christian, but they're living below their privileges. There's something that they have yet to discover that is not empowered in their life that is keeping them bound in that thing, in that chain, and it's time for them to get liberated from whatever's controlling them by the power of Jesus Christ that's living in their life. Are you here? Amen. Grab that power. Say, no longer will alcohol bind me. No longer will smoking cigarettes bind me. No longer will caffeine and sugar bind me. I rebuke it. I push it back in Jesus' name. Are you here? Amen. 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 Too many times, Christians. Well, I know it's a good church service. I just, but after church, you go home and you say, I have the notes here. I listen to what the preacher said. But you're smoking a cigarette in your car. You go back, you know, to the hashish dealer. I'm going to go get some of that weed. No! You can get free from that thing tonight. You say, but, you know, Chris, I come to church, I worship God, I feel so good. But then I go home and I cuss my wife out. Time to get free from that cycle. Do you want to be a good husband? Do you want to be a good wife? Who wants to be a good husband, good wife? You get free from this cycle. Guess what? You come home and you treat your wife good on Friday. Saturday, she does something. You find out she charged that credit card bill about, you know, $600 more than you wish she had charged it. But you still walk in love because guess what? You got free from your emotions. Amen? Amen. Okay, go with me to Luke chapter 13 if you have your Bibles. Luke chapter 13. Pastor Al, I think they're going to make me preach hard tonight. Luke chapter 13, verse 11. Oh, I feel the power of God here already. Amen. 
Are you excited? Are you ready? Oh, I get so excited. Sometimes I'm preaching and I feel that anointing kick in and I'm like, I'm running over them. If they don't get with me, I'm just going to get like in, you know, the silver dome. I used to go to the, 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 the monster truck rallies, right? And if any of those cars got in the way of that monster truck, what would the monster truck do? Just go right over them. That's what I'm getting ready to do to you guys. You just those cars. I say, they ain't moving. I'm going right over you. Are you ready? Ready. <laughs> Luke chapter 13, verse 11. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bowed together, and could no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus, when you see Jesus in Scripture, that's the answer to everyone's problem. The answer's on the scene. My God, if you, you believe that tonight. Anytime you see Jesus walk in, the devil screams. The devil's like, uh-oh, it's not. It's Jesus. He's the cycle breaker. Yes. Jesus comes walking in, saw her. He called unto her and said, Woman, thou art loose from thy infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Do you know what it said here? It didn't say, well, ten days later she was made straight. It said immediately. Yes. That's the power of the kingdom. Immediately they were made straight. So let me show you some misconception about bondage that people have. And you say, well, am I in bondage? Well, you, you know, I'm not here to tell you in bondage. I'm going to show you tonight how to be free. Amen. Amen. But we got to talk about the problem before we get to the answer. You don't understand Jesus until you understand sin. You don't understand redemption until you understand what Adam did, right? Okay. The first thing that's a misconception about the work of darkness is a lot of people say, well, demons were only active when Christ was on the earth, but their activity has subsided today. How many of you heard people say that? Well, brother, you know, we at the university do believe that this is not a demon. This is actually what they thought back then, but we have discovered through our molecular biological study of the human being that this is actually a twisted psychology. <laughs> And we try to get them to repress those childhood memories because, after all, there's no such thing as demons or ghosts. Mm. And these people go to church. These people give money to Christian charities and lift their hands to God, but they don't believe in ghosts. How many have heard people say that? That's not so. The Bible constantly warns you in 1 Peter 4 that your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He said this to brethren. You know what that means? That as a Christian you just can't wake up and you, you have to constantly be on guard and defend what Jesus gave you. You know, we know, you, you know why? You, you, that's just, that is just, just to think that because Christ made you free, you're just going to stay free your whole life would be like the United States saying, well, you know what? We secured our freedom. Guess we don't need an army. Guess we don't need a navy. Guess we don't need artillery. No, we still have troops. Why? Because somebody is envious of your freedom. They're envious of the liberation that you have. So God says, you know what? I'm giving them a weaponry that's powerful that can keep away every enemy. Yep. I'm giving them the helmet of salvation. I'm giving you truth. I'm giving you revelation knowledge. I'm giving you the word of God. I am giving to you weapons to keep away the enemy and push him back. Yes. 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 Am I telling the truth tonight? Yes. Or am I lying to you? If I'm lying to you, we'll all go home and catch Jeopardy because we might as well not be here if I'm lying to you. <laughs> Amen. 
So you have weapons. So the devil walketh about. People that do not believe that problems today can be demonic will be deceived. If people fail to call it bondage, if people fail to call it demonic in many areas, then because they negate the problem, they negate the solution. If you don't call it bondage, guess what? You can't get freedom. If you keep denying, then you can't get set free because you won't look for the answer. Number two, some problems, you know, are just psychological, but they're not spiritual. Let me say this. There is no inner conflict, which is not psychological because there's never a time when your mind, emotions, or will are not involved. So if you have an inner conflict inside, smoking, addiction, bondage, yes, it is psychological. It's affecting your mind. But it is also as much psychological as it is, it is also spiritual. Yes. Because your mind, though it is separate from your spirit, is so wound tight to your spirit that the mind, in my book I talk about this, your mind is the access point into the spirit realm. You don't even know it. That's why the enemy tries to get into, you know how the enemy gets into schools? Not by politicians. He doesn't get into schools by school boards. He gets into it through video games and television shows. And when kids play violent games, guess what's now in the school system? Violence. Social media, internet pornography. They're now entering the kids' minds and the kids will take that into the school system because it's in their mind. And now we have a spiritual conflict that has been instigated by what has gone in through a person's mind. So someone says, you know, I, my mind is bound. What do I do? Recognize right away that this is a spiritual problem. You, can, you know, I used to go do uh, visits. I've been to many psych wards. 22 years old, I used to go to psych wards all the time. Almost every month I was in a psych ward. And you know what people would always do in the psych ward? I won't even describe it. There's no place closer to hell on earth than a psych ward. Amen. You want to see what hell looks like? Go and visit a psych ward. Do a visit. You'll see. They were never cursing Islam. They were never cursing Buddha. They always cursed Jesus. Those demons always cursed the Son of God. Said things about the Son of God that would make me want to just scream. Because it's a demon spirit trying to mock the solution. So, number three. I'm not trying to make you the Ghostbusters here. Everyone you leave out here looking for demons. Was there a demon? Brother Palmer, he was talking about demons. But we're going to talk about it tonight. Because you'll find out that many ministries say they don't want to talk about demons. But you know what? People will say, come to the ministry that's talking about it and say, set me free. I need to be free. I need to be free from demon powers. Have you ever seen a devil cast out? Have you ever seen someone free? I see it all the time. And you know what? People today are crying, saying, somebody help me. Help me. I'm bound. That's the ministry of Jesus. Demonic. This is a lie. This is a misconception. Demonic influence is only present when there is some gross sin. No. That's not true. You will discover that most Christians who suffer from demonic activity and bondage lead pretty normal lives 
and experience serious personal and interpersonal problems which no solution can be found. Brother Palmer, you're supposed to give us a good word. I, listen, I'm not here to try to preach a word to get you to amen and everybody can come back. I, the, the attendance to me is nice, but I'm here to set you free tonight. To walk free. I, is this okay for you guys tonight? Can I talk about this stuff in here? Well, you know, he wanted you to tell me that God's going to do it for me. I just have to turn around. No, 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 no. Not if you're dealing with some spiritual problem. Because people don't see it as demonic. Do you know what the answer they have is? I just need to try and do better. I just, you know, I, I, I'm smoking. I just got to do better tomorrow. I just got to do, but, but the cycle's not being broke. Well, I just got to do better, you know, I just, and then you go to the store and you're sitting there, you know, you walk in and you're like, oh, you got to fill the car up with gas. Huh? You know what's inside there? That carton of marbles is on sale today. And then your mouth starts watering, your hands, you know, start to, to kind of get in. You just, well, you go in, I'm not going to go get cigarettes when you walk in. You walk in there and you, and you maybe get a fountain drink, you get some cupcakes. That's what I get is cupcakes, you know what I mean? <laughs> you walk in there and then you see it and it's sort of marbles are on sale. Yeah, yeah, they're on sale today. <laughs> oh, give me a carton. What? Just give me a carton, quickly. You, just, I'm, you know, I'm not going to smoke it. I'm just going to keep it in my car, you know. <laughs> keep it in the seats, you know, just in case there's an emergency and I get caught, right? And all of a sudden you just open it up just to make sure there are marbles inside you. <laughs> oh, it smells like marbles, okay. And then before long, you smoke the whole pack of them. You know, I just need to do better. Doesn't come along, you know, I haven't smoked one in two weeks. I owe myself another cigarette, right? Come on, it's time to find out what Jesus did for you. It's time to walk free from that bondage. Are you here, church? It's time to say, you know what? No more cigarettes. My lungs, my body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, empower me. Fill me. Are you here, church? Yes. You shouldn't allow anyone to control you but Jesus. Amen. He liberated you from the power of cigarettes and alcohol. Amen. Amen. Okay, so write this down if you're taking notes. Satan's subtle weapon is deception and lies. Deception and lies. Lies. They come into your mind. You start thinking it's your thought. It's not your thought. It's the thought of the enemy. It's not the few raving demoniacs which neutralize a church. People come in, they say, you know, there's demonic activity going on in this church. Where are all, where's the demonic activity going on in this church? Where's the guy foaming at the mouth? That's not the stuff that neutralizes the church. It is Satan's subtle deception and intrusion into the lives of normal believers that will neutralize the move of God inside of a church. Are you hearing me tonight? So, you know, there's people inside the church and, and all of a sudden the enemy, we're going to talk about it in a second, finds somebody, finds a woman that needs inner healing and starts lying to a woman that was molested as a child. Starts lying to a man about, you know, uh, his insecurity about women. And the, the, out of that lie, they start treating people wrong in the church. And before long, there's this division that has been caused by people that have not yet allowed God to heal them from the inside out. Because when somebody has been wounded in the past, when somebody has experienced some sort of trauma in their life, the areas that you have experienced trauma 
are the areas that the enemy is going to fire a missile at and it will be a light that exposes that trauma. And now it's not the trauma that is causing you to do what you do. It's not the, you know, you say, well, I was molested, and so you think everybody's bad. Every man is bad. Every woman's bad. It wasn't that you got molested that's the problem. It's that there is a lie that has come as a result of that trauma, and Jesus is saying, expose that lie and let me replace it with the truth of God's word. Amen. Amen. And people that have never experienced freedom from the lie are the people that are walking around bound today, living altered lifestyles. Am I screaming too much for you today? We'll get to that in just a second. Okay, write this down if you're taking notes. You say, he, he yells a lot. I get, oh man, I, got, I feel God's presence here tonight. He wants you to be free. Amen. I was in the Turks and Caicos Islands preaching one time, and the pastor said to me, my people need deliverance. I said, well, we'll preach on deliverance. The very first night of the service, the Spirit of God gave me a name. Church was packed out from wall to wall. Those people were hungry. They came in expecting. I came into the parking lot early. You know, island people, they got, they're on island time. There's my time, there's island time. Island people, island time is an hour after everything's supposed to start. I show up at church at 7 o'clock, and no one's there. The preacher, no one's there. I'm sitting there outside my Bible. Are we having church or not? <laughs> All of a sudden, this guy come up to me. He says, hey, man, hey, man, is this where the church is going on, man? I said, yeah. He goes, are you the preacher? I said, I'm the preacher. He said, I want to give my life to Jesus. Do I have to wait till the service starts? I said, brother, we can have church right here. He got set free. Go into the service. Pastor Al, he knows what I'm talking I go into the service. And all of a sudden I say, where's Martha at? Martha, come to the front. Martha comes walking to the front. My name is Martha. I said, you've been in bondage. You've been in this. Be free. She gets set free. No, she rededicates her life to God. Something like that. The last service, God gives me a name. I say, where is Charles at? She comes and say, my last name is Charles. I say, Martha, Charles, you haven't received your full deliverance. And I tell her, in your life, you this, this, and this happened to you. I say, there's a chain around your ankle. Be free. And it felt like you could feel a snap, a pop. You could hear it. She fell backwards under the power. Got up full of the Holy Ghost, totally delivered by the peace of God. There's a power. There's a power. Nobody in the church should be delivered or should be in bondage. Do you know why leadership does not prosper in a church? Why a church, this is, this is, a church cannot grow. Because if people are in bondage, leadership inside of a church cannot grow when people are in addiction. There's a pastor he was saying, I think I shared this story before. His church was uh, about 2,000 people. God, why can't I get past 2,000? Why can't I get past 2,000? Why can't I get past 2,000? How come I can't get past 2,000? And God said, cleanse the leadership. Amen. Cleanse the leadership. He found out his leadership was doing all sorts of stuff. And he made those people renounce and repent and turn from it. As soon as he did that, the power of God started ministering through people. And God started increasing that church till they had to build a sanctuary now that sees 7,000 people. And they feel it twice every single Sunday. Why? Because people said, I'm going to live holy. Holiness, write this down. Holiness is proof of deliverance. I can't live holy because you have not been delivered completely. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm preaching like a Hispanic tonight. Amen? You've been a, a fire Hispanic hurt. My God, they jump on the ceiling and run. So, man, it's powerful. 
some people say, well, Brother Palmer, you know, freedom, you know, if I, if I want freedom from bondage in my life, it requires a power encounter. Not always. Some people say, well, you know, I'm dealing with that thing. Does that mean I got to come up to the front and throw up in a bag and foam at the mouth? No. Because most of the time, you don't have to so much outmuscle a devil who's been defeated. As you just have to out-truth a devil that's been outsmarted. The devil has been defeated. Let me get this straight with you. The finished work of Christ has already been done. Everything that Jesus is going to do has been accomplished on the cross. Are you guys here? You guys are looking at me like, you know, I'm from this planet Zoran tonight. Are you here? Yes. Say, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. The devil doesn't have to be out muscle. Jesus came. And with one flick, boom, the devil was defeated. He finished the work on the cross. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. But now the enemy masquerades in darkness. And so he doesn't need to be out-muscled. So deliverance for most people is not as much of a power encounter all the time as it is a truth encounter. How many people have ever been dealing with something and God shines light on it and you say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that's what's the truth about me? You know, you're having low self-esteem. That's bondage. You know, you just low self-esteem. You're the person that doesn't like to take selfies because you, like, like, you don't like how the right side of your face looks in selfies because you think your nose is too big and you have low self-esteem issues which are probably a matter of your childhood. And you know, you walk around, you can't look people in the eye. You ever meet people? The other day I was talking to someone, just couldn't look me in the eye. It was like having a conversation with the wall. How you doing? Good, man. It's good, yeah, yeah. Good, good, yeah, yeah. Didn't want, and I look at him, he goes, yeah, yeah, it's good, yeah. Yeah, things are good. He's looking around like this, nervous. You think he had something on his nose, you know? No, no, it's good, man. You ain't got nothing on your nose. Just look at me in the eye. Just, you know, low self-esteem. And then you take to the Word of God and you start reading the Word and, you know, you, yeah, okay, things being a God that always causes me to triumph. You know, I can do all the things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, well, and you start quoting the Scriptures and it just, you know, this ain't working. Just keep reading your Bible. Keep praying in the Spirit. And then one day, you're reading the Scriptures and all of a sudden, what can separate me from the love of God? Can principalities and powers and life, nor death, neither hunger? Wait, wait a second, and light explodes inside of your heart. Not something you put on your wall. You know, it's something that, it's not something that you have to put on your kitchen refrigerator. No, 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 it's written inside of your heart. Amen. You now have illumination, and guess what? No more self-esteem problems. Yes. So you see, deliverance has just happened for you in that instant, but it took a while. People that don't read the Word of God. Are you guys here? Yeah. People that don't read the Word of God. They look at it, they say, why do I need to read the Word of God? This doesn't work. It's not doing anything for me. It's just like reading Snoopy or the comics. It's just entertainment. No, wait till you get a revelation and it explodes inside of you. Anytime I've ever got a revelation from God, I feel like somebody has cranked my chain, has wound me up. When you get a revelation from God, you walk into the gym. They'll say, hi, Mr. Palmer. How's it going today? Oh, I can't wait to get on that treadmill and work out. I can't wait. I, oh, it's going to be a good morning. You say it's Monday. It feels like a Friday. 
<laughs> Why? I don't know. Something's working inside of me. I can't explain it. You start talking, oh, I had a good day today, but it's not going for you at work. It's not, I heard you're losing your job. It's okay. I'm just, God is so good. Why? Because of something inside of you that has been liberated, that's free inside of you, that's not free inside of other people. That's right. That's the testimony. You know, you're trying to tell someone about Jesus. <laughs> you know, Jesus, brother. And they look at you and you're so sad all the time. You're so upset. You come in, you know, to work and your shirt is hanging out of your pants. You know, your tie is always crooked. It looks like your shoes got run over by the lawnmower. And you're trying to give a testimony of Jesus. <laughs> or you come walking into work and you're shining bright with the glory of God on your face, looking free. That's right. Yeah. They say, why are you so free? I've been delivered. Amen? Amen. Uh, and I just was talking about this. Another misconception is, well, God has to do something else to set me free from bondage. No. Deliverance has been accomplished by Christ's work on the cross. Colossians 2.15. The Bible says in Colossians 2.15 that He hath spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. Any time that a demon or a spirit is working in your life, the moment a revelation shows up in your life, or Jesus comes on the scene, the devil says, that's Jesus, i got to get out of here. Amen. So, write this down if you're taking notes. Are you guys here? Are you enjoying this tonight? Yes. Say, I'm going to walk free. Say, I'm going to live free. I'm going to live free. Okay. You say, but, I, you know, uh, I, I thought a Christian can have a devil. Can a Christian have a devil? Can a Christian have a devil? The answer to that question is a Christian cannot be possessed by a demon. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells inside of you. So you have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit living inside of your heart. A true Christian cannot be demon-possessed. Amen. 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 When was the last time you heard a sermon on demons? Maybe it's been a while. I hope it hasn't been too long. So, demonic possession is when a demon or a number of demons totally and completely control somebody fully, body, soul, and spirit. They no longer have a will of their own. They no longer have a mind of their own. They no longer have inhibitions. They will just do whatever the enemy tells them to do. And 99.9% .9 of people are not at that point. The ones I've seen at that point have allowed wickedness or sorcery, black magic, and some type of Satanism into their lives. Right, Pastor Al? Yep. Am I telling the truth? He's, he casts devil. He goes into the prisons and works with people in that area. So I would say to someone, how can the Bible call Christians elect and call them the faithful and call them the holy ones of God and they still be demon-possessed? It's not possible. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 that He's forgiven us. If you're walking in forgiveness, you don't have to worry about that. But if you're taking notes, Write this down. If a Christian, if a Christian is not walking daily in the provision of the cross and resurrection, what Jesus did for you on the cross, this is why it is so important to get up and read the Bible. This is why if you're married, you should say, uh, you know, husband, wife, we're not leaving the house today until we pray. We're not getting in our cars today until we ask God for His safety. Mm 
We are not doing anything tonight and going to bed tonight unless we ask God to bless our sleep. We are not doing any of this stuff until we pray. Because if you don't walk in the provision of the cross and resurrection, you can, as a believer, I've seen them, you're open for demon oppression, demon obsession, and demon depression. Are you here tonight, church? Amen. Are you guys here? You say, well, brother, this is kind of heavy tonight. No, 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 no. It, it, it has to be said. Yeah. It has to be said. Do you know why? Because God wants people free from these things yes. in their life. Yes. I deal with too many people. They're Christians. They go to church. They play in the worship band. But they're depressed. They want to commit suicide. They won't come to you, but they'll come to me. Because my name is minister. Because I'm pastor. Because I'm evangelist. They say, oh, I don't feel valued. I don't feel anyone likes me. But you're a Christian. You shouldn't be walking this way. What's the problem? Oppression. Write this down if you're taking notes. Is the exercise of power in a cruel way. Oppression is the exercise of power in a cruel way. The enemy's power has been defeated by Jesus, but he still can influence you because they're demon spirits that are still in the earth. Are you here tonight, church? Many Christians, they say, what am I? I, I? You know, you feel heaviness come on you. How many Christians, they, they, they go to church, but they feel, I don't know what it is. I just, I, mean, I, just, I just feel heavy today. I've been feeling heavy for the last two weeks. And this heaviness starts working in your thoughts. You can't escape it. This is the enemy oppressing people. And you can be free from the enemy's oppression. Because when you are oppressed and the enemy is working on you in a cruel way, do you know what it, 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 it stops? Is your functionality. No longer. Because you're oppressed, can you do things normally around the house? Can't clean the sink. Can't, can't sweep the floor. Can't cook dinner. Can't uh, mow the lawn. You just can't clean your car. And when somebody is oppressed by the enemy, you will start to see it turn up in their daily lives. They just look a mess sometimes. There's another thing called obsession. Obsession is the, not, the, the domination of someone's thoughts by a persistent idea, image, or a desire. This obsession is a never-ending pattern of thinking. You become obsessed with a thought that is coming from a spiritual source. It can be as you know, terrible as some gross type of sin. It can come in the form of lust. You know how people are obsessed today? I gotta make money. Gotta make money. Gotta make money. Gotta make money. Gotta get up. Gotta go to work. Gotta make money. Gotta work the weekends. Gotta work the weekends. Gotta work Sunday. Gotta make money. Gotta make money. And, and, and you're, they're with the family and they're sitting at the dinner table. 
Kids are trying to talk to daddy, but daddy's thinking about how do I make money? No rest when there's obsession. When somebody is obsessed, they only give you about 70% of their attention because they have partitioned, like you can partition your hard drive. You say 50% Mac, 50% Windows. You partition their mind and they say 50% things of God, 50% everything else I'm obsessed with. Right. You're right. So, you volunteer for the church, but you got an obsession. I want to be in the choir. Okay? Get a robe, be in the choir. They're in the choir, they're singing. But you know what? Here they're singing to God, the presence of God comes, and you say, I don't feel the presence of God. Why don't I feel the presence of God? Because while everyone's entering in, 50% of your mind is over there thinking about, gotta make money, gotta make money. Are you here, guys? Why don't I experience the blessing of God? Because if you want to experience it a hundredfold, you have to be a hundredfold, giving yourself to God. Amen. You say, I want to experience God's blessing. Then all of God's blessings to be in you, you got to give all of yourself to Him. Amen. God says, I'll smash that obsession. Amen. Are you guys here? Then there is depression. Depression is not a passing blue mood, but is a persistent feeling of sadness and worthlessness and lack of desire to engage in formidable, pleasurable activities. You see people that are depressed, they don't want to leave the house, right? Hello? Is this okay for you guys tonight? Am I preaching the truth? Let's see, what time is it? How much time I got with you guys tonight? I'm going to give you the solution before we walk out of here. But I want you to know, go with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Say, Chris, Chris. I'm with you tonight. With you tonight. Well, you know, this isn't the stuff I hear on television. <laughs> I didn't hear this on television. No one, you're going to put this on your podcast? You know, don't. Listen, I'm a finished work guy. But I also know that if you get into ministry long enough, you will find out that Christians are some of the people that are messed up the most. Amen. Am I telling you the truth? Yeah. That's not true, Brother Chris. Uh, it is true because you're the one that comes to me complaining about brother or sister so-and-so. So how do you know that the enemy is working in your life? Look what it says here in Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. And they came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he, Jesus, was, or what was, this was Jesus, and it says, And when he, the demoniac, had come out of, Jesus had come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. This is a man who is heavily oppressed, depressed, possessed. He's just full of the enemy. Who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters were broken into pieces. Neither could any man tame him. It was always night and day. He was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar, he ran and worshipped him. Someone say, Jesus is the solution. And so when I see somebody that needs deliverance, here are some of the results that happen when people fall into bondage. This is a sign that you need Jesus. 
Come on, please. Come on, someone get with me tonight. Number one, people live among the tombs. When you live in sin, when you're not in the Word of God as a Christian, you know what starts to happen to you? You're living in sin. People that get into sin, Christians, they no longer want to be around light. They'll say, I can't go to church because they'll find out what I did. They'll they get mad and say, oh, those people will judge me. No, no, no. You're not upset that those people might judge you. You're upset that those people might find out what you've been doing. So they say, I, I don't want to go to church. I can't go to church. And so you know what starts happening? They stay home to watch the race. They stay home to watch the football game. They stay home just to lay in bed. And before long, they're now lonely. And the way that the enemy strategizes to keep people bound tighter and tighter is isolation. If he can isolate you, you will have no victory because you'll find that much of the victory that we have in Christ Jesus happens when you are around the Koine fellowship of the Spirit. That the Holy Ghost in me and the Holy Ghost in you and the Holy Ghost in Brett and Pastor Al and Sister Latanya and everyone that is sitting here, that Holy Spirit, when it starts to function, it agrees with what he's saying, agrees with what I'm saying, and it starts to form a bigger light. And in that light can no darkness exist. And so when you stay in the coordinate fellowship of the believers you stay in that no darkness can penetrate you part of deliverance is saying I will not isolate myself because when you isolate it you're alone and the enemy just boof, 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 boof. but when you're with believers no 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 constant light is pumped into your being Amen. I need the revelation that Brother Al has. He needs the revelation that I have. I need what Jordan has. Jordan needs what Heather has. Heather has needs what Tim has. Tim needs what Della has. We need what we have. No tomb dwelling. Say, I won't dwell in the tombs. Say, I'm not dwelling in the tombs. The next thing was that this man was an insomniac. Night and day he was up. You know, the one thing that the enemy wants to take from people is their sleep and their rest. Do you know why? Because in your rest is where God recharges you. Sleeping is God's gift to mankind. Someone say amen. I don't believe that. Oh, get a little tired and say, God, thank you for this pillow. Thank you for this blanket. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, it sounds like everyone at night. Except for the person that's bound. They don't, they can't sleep. You know, you ever maybe experienced this yourself? Your body is tired and aching for sleep, but your mind is saying, no, no, no sleep for you. No sleep for you. And you're trying to sleep and, no, 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 no sleep for you. No sleep for you. <laughs> and your body is saying, but I'm tired. No, no sleep for you. You know what's happening? The enemy is tormenting your mind and trying to take away your rest because when you don't have rest, it will impair your ability to function as a mother, as a father. Amen. 
as a worker, you come to work and they say, why are you so tired all the time? I just can't sleep. And you know what will start happening? You'll start to solve this problem using the arm of the flesh. Right. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. Confessing all this junk. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. You know what I need? I know what I need. A bottle of NyQuil. Drive on up to Walmart. Two o'clock in the morning. Don't even have the flu. Don't even have a cold. And you're buying NyQuil. And all of a sudden, you're just NyQuil after NyQuil, night after night, taking a shot of NyQuil, waking up in the morning like this. <laughs> Why are you living? I took NyQuil last night. Don't get awake till 10.30 in the morning. Got up at 6. That stuff will knock you out. But guess what starts happening? Your body says, well, we got to build up a resistance to this NyQuil. Take a shot of NyQuil, it doesn't work. Now you got two shots of NyQuil. And then you know what? NyQuil's not doing the trick. So you go to see the doctor. I just can't sleep at night. You know what the doctor says? Well, I know what we can do for you. We can get you on prescription drugs. How about that? Make the pharmacy some money. So now you got prescription drugs. And every night before bed, you pop in those prescription drugs. And guess what starts to happen to you? Changes your personality. You're no longer yourself. You're somebody else. And you have built up a psychological idea that I need this to go to sleep at night. They could be sugar pills, but I need this to go to bed at night. I need this to go to bed at night. I need You don't need this. You need God to break that cycle in your life. You need to meet Jesus. You need to get filled with the Spirit so the power of God can break that thing over your life and restore your personality back to your family. Right. Yeah. Am I telling you the truth tonight? And it all started when you couldn't go to sleep at night. No. I say, take your sleep back in Jesus' name. Say, I'm taking my sleep. You know what? The best sleeps I get at night are when I am reading the Word of God. If you fill your mind with that Word before you go to bed, you will start to dream. I know when I read the Word of God at night and I fall asleep, I'll have dreams of preaching a crusade and sealing pe seeing people healed and delivered. And you wake up disappointed like, that was just a dream. That was just a dream. Oh, it was just a dream. Oh, I just and you, you know, you, your dreams will affect your mood in the day. You have a good dream at night? I was healing people. You ready to pray? Hey, let's go to prayer meeting tonight. I don't know why. I just had a good dream about it last night. Let's go to prayer meeting. You can have a good dream every night. Amen. Take back your dreams. Amen. Sound like a motivational teacher. Take back your dreams. That time to rise up and take back your dreams. <laughs> Inner anguish. You know how many people are in isolation, in despair, in the mountains, in the tombs, crying? Inner anguish is pressure that comes in fears, depression, and despair. My heart breaks. The reason I am in ministry, the reason I do this for a living, other than that God called me, was, you know, I, I, my heart breaks when I see people that are anguished on the inside. They come, they serve, and they leave, and they're, oh man, I don't know why I'm so mad. I don't know why I'm so depressed. I don't know why. Oh, I don't know why. It's been leaving for five, six years, and they're crying out from the inside. They may not be on a mountain, but they're saying, God, touch me. Mm 
But they go to church, they get the praise on. <coughs> they go to church, they sing in the choir, and their voice is so good, you wouldn't know the difference. That's why pastors are committing suicide, because people today are not preaching deliverance. Yeah. Amen. Amen. What happened in the church when we said we're having a service tonight where people are going to get delivered? Amen. It's not Christian psychology. I can't talk you out of it. Either you meet Jesus or you stay bound, friend. Amen. And then, of course, there's other things. Reliance on drugs compulsions. You know what happens when people start getting depressed? They start forming compulsions. Gotta have, gotta have. I gotta have. Gotta have sugar. Gotta have a donut. I was talking to a friend of mine. She's in Italy. Every day she had to have a donut. Like, but it wasn't like, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying, the donuts over there are big, okay? They're big. You can't eat one every day and think you're gonna stay healthy. I mean, they are big donuts. Just to say, I was an architect, I was going to work, and every day before I got to the job, I went into the, the store and took a donut, and she said, I would shove the whole donut in my mouth. Oh, wow. You're not hungry when you're doing that. You're compulsed when you're doing that. Just, <laughs> just stuff the whole, you know when you eat that much sugar in the morning, you know how you feel? Like this the rest of the day. But the enemy is using sugar to bind her. She says, then a guy came from Benson Idiosa's ministry in Nigeria. He was a disciple of Benson Idiosa, who was the guy, the reason why Nigeria is a Christian today. His ministry, before Reinhard Bonnke was there, this guy was there, an apostle, and this guy came from his ministry, and you know what his main ministry was? Deliverance. He said he led her to Jesus. She got uh, born again at her architect table. When she got born again, guess what happened? She walked past that store and not have a compulsion to eat that donut. And to this day, she's my translator in Italy. To this day, she doesn't eat sweets. I was eating a cannoli sitting there. I was like, have some. No, no, no. I haven't been delivered to all that stuff. I said, man, I need to be delivered of all this stuff. Lay your hands on me, Enzo. Lay your hands on me. Amen. So, with the few minutes I have remaining, I'm going to answer it. Now I diagnosed it. We see what this is. I'm going to tell you why this happens to people. Why as Christians, this happens to us. It shouldn't. It should not. That's right. Do you hear what I say? Yes. It should not happen to us. Amen. We should walk free. Amen. We should walk powerful. That's right. We should be the example to the world of what a father looks like. Yeah. What a mother looks like. Right? But why does this happen to people? Number one, number one, this is the number one reason. This is why people will stay bound. The number one reason why. If you have your Bible, go with me to Matthew 18. This is the most important thing. Matthew 18. Are you here tonight? I tried to think of some cool little hands-on illustration. I couldn't think of one tonight. That's okay. I'll do one tomorrow night. Is that okay? Not tomorrow night, but the next night. You guys are not laughing. You guys are like, is it because the tigers are out? Is that why you guys are upset? It's just too good. It's just too good? Oh, wait a minute. Who said that? Lift your hand. You lift your hand. Boy, if I was Bill Winston, I'd give you $100. <laughs> Okay. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? 
and I forgive him seven times? And Jesus says, I say not unto thee seven times, but seventy-seven times. Seven times seventy. Someone says, well, does that mean I get to forgive him 490 times? No, this is idiomatic of infinite times. Some of y'all are like, well, I was counting down. I only had two more chances left, brother. <laughs> Sorry, that's not what Jesus meant. And when one had begun to reckon, he says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. This is Jesus' teaching. Get your catchers out. The greatest teacher in the world is about to uncover a mystery about how the kingdom of heaven operates. Who's a part of the kingdom of heaven? Yeah. Amen. And when he had, it says, he was about, likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Millions of dollars. You know, I look in commentary, they all differ. Someone says, this is $2 million. The other commentary says, this is $15 million today. I don't know, it was a lot of money. How about we settle with that, all right? You can make it what you want. You can't keep up with the economy these days. Are we talking euros? Are we talking dollars? Are we talking yen? What are we talking here? But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. Sounds to me like bondage. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. This is how Jesus ministered to humanity. Jesus came along when you had a debt that could not be paid, which was your sin and your unrighteousness. He said, oh, I didn't do a lot of bad things, you know. No, 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 you were born. One disobedient act of God towards God is enough for him to turn his face far from you. But he sent to you Jesus. And Jesus liberated you and your family and your household and put you on a new robe and gave you a new ring. Are you here? He was moved with compassion towards you. If you're in some type of bondage tonight, you say, I, I have an addiction, I, I have a problem. He has compassion on you. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence and laid his hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. What? Yeah, I was reading this the other day and I saw something in here that when I saw it, I said, Oh my gosh. Y'all want to know what it is? Yeah. The servant that demanded the money who had been forgiven, he demanded the money not because he needed the money. Why would he go find that man and demand money that is insignificant? He didn't need the money. You know why he did it? Because the person that owed him the money, he had in his heart hatred towards that man. It wasn't about the money. He did it in spite, to spite him. Because this man had somehow offended him. And he said, oh, you offended me. 
Well, guess what? Now you're going to pay. You don't need that money. Don't matter. Pay it. And do you know why? Because many people, they get liberated from God. Listen to what I'm saying. Many people, they come down to the altar and get free. But they never have an inner change of their heart. They come down and say, God set me free. Glory to God. How would you get that? <laughs> and then in their journey toward I talk about this in my book Believer's Journey in, in, in their walk they said God set me free huh? yeah no, don't deal with that no more How? yeah that looks good and then they meet that person that spited them and they say oh but I still hate that person for doing what they did this is a moment where God has empowered you to forgive that person and say you know what I was in that. I'm going to be. I'm going to forgive this person, and, and and make a decision that affects your will and your emotions. But guess what? You don't, and you make that person pay you back. And that is metaphorical. The fact that you are just going to spite that person every time you see him, you turn your back and talk bad about him. You throw a stone at him and hide your hand. You hold back from that person what you're able to give. If it's cold outside, you refuse to give them your extra cloak. Because in your heart there's unforgiveness. And guess what Jesus said in this scripture? Then his Lord said after him, O thou, verse 32, wicked servant, I forgave you all your debt because thou desirest me. Shouldst not thou also have compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on you? And he says, the Lord was wrath and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. When people are in unforgiveness. Are you guys here tonight? Amen. I preach to you these kind of messages because I love you. Amen. When people are tormented and they're Christians, number one, the number one reason is because they have not forgiven. They're still holding it in their heart. Forgiveness is more than just an action to say, I forgive by faith in Jesus' name. I confess it until it's mine. If the forgiveness, if there's no revelation and change of your heart, you will confess until you're blue in the face, but you'll never find deliverance. Because it has to come from the heart and the only person that can change your heart is the Holy Spirit. You say, well, brother, I know I need to forgive. I forgive you. I forgive you, mom. I forgive you, dad. I forgive you, uncle. I forgive you, sister. I forgive you, brother. Son, I forgive you. I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. And then you see him. I hate that person. Can't stand them. But I forgive him. Talking bad about him, but I forgive him. I'm just going to keep on saying I forgive. No! You have not forgiven because forgiveness is not about what you say from your mouth. It's what takes place in your heart. The same with being born again. People say, well, I just confessed Jesus, but nothing took place in their hearts. Salvation doesn't start first with the lips. It begins in the spirit, in the heart. Love, when you fall in love with somebody, it's not about saying I love you. It's from the heart first. You ever date somebody you don't like? Oh, no, no, you, you know, you haven't done it. 
But people laughing probably did. Oh, I like you, I like you. You know you don't like that person. <laughs> Trying to get, I like him, 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 I like him. Look in the mirror three times and say, I like him, I like him, I like him. But if it never gets into your heart, you will never treat them with love. Yeah. If you, I, I forgive, 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 I forgive. You haven't forgiven until it's in here. You and Jim Brown, I forgive, I forgive. How come there's forgiveness? Is there a forgiveness pill somewhere? No, no, no. Let the Holy Spirit unlock and untake the hood up under that and get in there and fix it. Now, so hold on that story on the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit, which I'm going to be minister talking about the work of the Holy Spirit probably next week. The Holy Spirit's not just a bunch of bold, jangly goosebumps. <laughs> Holy Spirit is calm and still. He's humble. He's a friend. He's a comforter. He's a reminder of what our Lord Jesus has told us. And He's the one that can get inside of your heart and find whatever is keeping you from unforgiveness and eradicate that out of your life. My God, do you know how victorious you are as a Christian? Do you understand that all this garbage that I've been talking about is under your feet if you just give the Holy Spirit a place in your life and not sell out to that stuff? Yeah, yeah. Let Him change your heart. Another reason that people get bound with bondage. This is a big one. It's not talked about today. We got the grace message, brother. Dude, it's grace. There's nothing I can do about it. It's grace. God elected me. He sent me Jesus. And I don't have to do nothing. I can lay in bed and twiddle my thumbs, my God, and not have to do nothing because grace and did it all for me. Mm. Well, let me tell you what's wrong with taking that, okay? Number one, yes, it's true that God initiated salvation. Yes, it's true that salvation, we're going to talk about this when we go over essential doctrines. We're going to talk about why it's possible for you to fall away from the faith. <gasps> Don't say that. If it's God, He can keep it. No, it's possible. It's called being a castaway, a reprobate. Mm -hmm. uh, me too. I like that word, Demar. I like it too. Yeah, He did elect you. But guess what? You know what grace is conditional about? Grace has to meet faith to produce salvation. If there's no faith, that grace cannot go to work in your life. So it requires faith. You know what faith requires? The ministry of the Holy Spirit to see to it that you believe in that. Are you seeing this tonight? You just don't sit there. Because like I said last night, uh, last week, some things that you do require prayer. You have a part in this do you believe that tonight? Yes. So yes, there's grace, but they don't preach this part, and that is, if you don't die to yourself daily, you will fall into bondage. Yes. The Bible says in, Gal in Galatians chapter 5, 24, go there quickly. Every day, every day, every, someone say every day. Every say every day. Every day. Say all day. Every day. Every day. All day. Come on, it's like a little nursery rhyme. Every day. All day. All day. Every day. Every day. All day. You got the point now? And they that are Christ's 
have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust thereby. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Someone say, walk in the Spirit. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Boy, I'm going to have to bring some professional ameners with me next week. <laughs> Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, these are reasons why. You enjoying this tonight? Yes. Amen. I'm enjoying this. I'm like, man, tell me something more. These are reasons why people do not die to the flesh. You write this down. These are reasons why. You may be able to observe these in your own life. And if that's true, just don't say nothing to your wife about it or your, your husband about it. Just keep it between you and God and under the blood. Amen? Yes. Ways the flesh is enticed. This is out of Solomon's life, 2 Samuel chapter 11. It becomes fascinated with the forbidden. Fascination with the forbidden. The flesh is enticed when it begins to demand fulfillment without commitment. The flesh does not want to commit to anything. I've done weddings before. Where the guy, I give him the pep talk before. Are you ready? Oh, I don't know if I'm ready for the I don't know if I can go through with this. You better go through with this. I just can't commit. You know people that just can't commit to nothing? That's because even though the heart says this is the one for you. You know she's the one. She, she's beautiful. God sent you this beautiful bride. She'd do anything for you. She'd jump in front of a truck for you. And you don't want to commit to it. Because the flesh hates commitment. You ever know someone that just starts stuff and doesn't finish it? You know, they start a puzzle, don't finish the puzzle. They started school, can't finish school. They started playing a game online, can't finish that game online. You play a board game, you start playing Monopoly, I quit. Right? Just, you know, start knitting a sweater, can't finish the sweater. Everything they cook is half cooked, right? Surprised they put both legs in their pants in the morning. Can't finish nothing. Why? Because something inside of them is keeping them from committing and finishing what they've started. People that are in bondage cannot finish what they started. And they're like that in relationships. They don't keep their word. I'll be there at 9. They get there at 11 if they show up. Oh, I'm going to be there to serve. They never show up. You know? Come on to my house. We're going to have a Christmas party this year. Christmas comes, Christmas goes. No Christmas party. And then you know what they start doing? Making excuses. Well, you know, I was going to be there, but. But. I was going to be there, but. What is this an example of? Are you guys here tonight? Yes. People can't commit because they need to be delivered. There's another thing. The flesh says, you deserve to have some fun. Go on and reward yourself. Oh, yeah, you know, you, you were studying hard for that final. Go on out there and put your dancing shoes on and go to the club tonight. Where is this coming from? A Christian will say, no! I crucify that desire. I put it down. No. No flesh. Bad. 
As you guys here, are you with me tonight? Come on. This is good. This is good. You say, thank you, Brother Palmer, for teaching me. I can't go to the club after I study for a final. After I study for a midterm, I can stay home and watch reruns of, of the Cosby Show. There it, is. there it is. That's a funny show, man. I love that show, man. That's my show. I'd be in my hotel room at night after service. Is this Cosby show on? <laughs> what is the King of Queens? I want the Cosby show. <laughs> oh, I did Theo. Boy, I tell you, he's so funny. No. And then there's always the flesh's desire for variety. I'm going to try that one out. I'm going to try that one out. I'm going to try that one out. I'm going to try that one. I'm going to try them all out before I decide. Only problem is, flesh is never going to decide. Because like I just told you, it cannot commit to nothing. It's going to keep on going. It's going to keep on going. Write this one down. I want to address this tonight. Because we don't talk about it in churches enough. Generational curses. Exodus 20.15. Write the scripture down. Let me set the record straight of what a generational curse is. People will come up and say, Brother Palmer, you know, I just got generational curses. All these generational curses. First of all, if you're in Christ... He has broken the power of every curse over your life. Amen. Let me just say that. You don't have to just, oh, I just got torn out. What if, what if I renounce a bunch of stuff and I just forgot a few things? Let me just say this. When you have Jesus Christ in your life active, you're free from every curse. That's right. Amen. Amen. You don't have to go and look at the, go all the way back to 1877 and see what your great-grandparents were doing. <laughs> A generational curse is visited upon the fathers to the fathers. This is what a generational curse is. It is repetitious behavior of the same sin from one generation to the next that comes through thinking. It exists when nobody in the family line finds a reason to repent of it. For instance, Great-grandpa was an alcoholic. And when great-grandpa was an alcoholic, grandpa saw great-grandpa being an alcoholic. And as a child, you think, it's normal to be an alcoholic. Dad was an alcoholic. Maybe I should be, maybe I should drink. Because you saw it through observation. And observation, parents, if you're a parent, what you do is more important than what you say. And what you do when you don't think the child is looking is just as important as what you do when you know the child's looking because kids notice everything. Kids also have a memory that will amaze you. I, uh, I, this is a funny story. My little nephew loves airplanes. He, a, a, airplanes are his thing, man. He's going to be a pilot and fly me around. Amen? <laughs> he has an airplane book. And I like to tease him and just kind of poke fun at him. And there was a little woman in the airplane. And then she, you know, it's was, it was a real woman. You know, it's like a real picture, but it wasn't a drawing. I said, that's grandma? He goes, no. I said, that's grandma right there. He said, this is grandma? I said, that's grandma. She's in the book. It's not grandma. I said, that's grandma. It's not grandma. I said, yes, it's grandma. No, it's not grandma. I said, yes, it's grandma. Weeks later. Weeks later, I'm up in my room typing something on my computer. And I hear my nephew downstairs with my brother going, Dad, is this grandma in this book? <laughs> no, son. That's not grandma. Your uncle is a liar. <laughs> and I said, how did he remember this? 
in his mind, he didn't let it go. And if a child is three and sees his daddy drinking beer, drinking liquor, taking shot after shot after shot, he may not remember it until it's time for him to be in high school. He's at the party. And the, uh, the, and the situation is presented. Hey, dude, have a drink. What do I do? I've never had this situation. All of a sudden, that memory is filed in the file cabinet. The files pull out. Dad used to drink. Oh, I want to be like Dad. Give me a shot. Well, he used to have a beer after that. Give me a beer. And guess what now? He's drinking. Because there's a file in his mind. And guess what? That file needs to be ripped apart and destroyed. But it is not going to happen in somebody's life. It will keep the same file, the drinking file, will be passed down into people's minds until somebody in that line says, No! This is wrong. What my dad was doing is wrong. What my mom was doing is wrong. And everybody that was doing it is wrong. I take the file. I rip it apart and will not participate in that. Amen. Amen. Are you hearing me tonight? So the Spirit of God is required. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is required so that he could say, do you see this file? Destroy it. Like in the movie Argo. You guys see the movie Argo? All of a sudden they were getting trapped. And they were about to take over the embassy. What did they start doing? Ripping up files. Throwing them in the fire. Destroying stuff. Taking hammers and bats to stuff. Why? Because sometimes files need to be erased. So the enemy does not have access to them. Are you learning something tonight? Boy, next week I'll give you a happy, go lucky, cotton candy, candy land message and take it home and say, my God, I gotta spend 14 times and call my own. No. You know what I see happen? People, I, I believe in prosperity. I believe in walking in, I believe in wealth. I don't believe in just walking around shoeless and, and having a hole. I believe in wealth. But you know what I believe in? Being wealthy and being free. Being wealthy and having peace. Look at Robin Williams. Killed himself. What did that man have? Friends. Everyone. He was everybody's friend. He was funny. But he wasn't free. Amen. Okay. This is a big one. I want to minister this. And then I'll be getting ready to close after this. You guys have been a good audience. Sure hope you come back. Amen. Don't go to Brother Palmer. He's going to tell you about demons. By God. Boy, I have so much stuff to minister to you tonight. This is a big one. This is a, this is a big one. The reason why people cannot get free. Is because of past hurts and wounds that have not been healed through inner healing. Because inside of their heart, there is still a wound that exists and it is an open sore. Inner healing, if you're taking notes tonight. Inner healing. And if you want my notes, sometimes I go fast. You go to Della in the back. Della, can you raise your hand? And give her your email address. And we will email you the notes. We did it last week. And I'll give you my notes this week. I'll just take out my applications and funny things I put in there for my sake. And I'll give you my notes. Amen. You'll get an email tomorrow with the notes. Inner healing is the process through which a person is delivered and healed from past trauma and pain produced by others. 
it is a transformation of the mind, the will, and the emotions. When a person goes through inner healing, they are free from the past that has bound them. Inner healing, this is the process. This is what happens inside of inner healing. Inner healing is when lies, deceit, false perception in a person's soul are exposed and corrected by the truth. Let me give to you an example of this. Everybody needs inner healing. A woman, let's say, is 9, 10, 5, and she gets molested by her grandpa. This is not a real, this is just a made-up example right here on the spot. Now, she has a memory. She's been molested. And in her little young mind of trying to figure this out and process this, she has to come up with reasons why this happened. Or she has to figure out maybe how to deal with this. And in that thinking, the enemy will come and plant deceit, falsehoods, half-truths, things that are false. Such as, if grandpa molested you and treated you this way, that's how all men are. If you can't trust grandpa, who can you trust? Grandpa was the best man you knew, therefore all men are bad. So now, the little girl has these lies in her mind and her subconscious, and she goes through life like a zombie. All men are bad, all men are bad, all men are bad. All men are bad. Don't trust men. Don't trust men. Don't trust men. Be on the guard. Be on the guard. Don't be alone with a man. Don't be alone with a man. Don't believe anything a man's telling you. Don't believe what they're saying. Don't believe what they're saying. Don't believe what they're saying. They're going to lie. They're going to molest you. They're going to beat you. No, no, no. And you're living normal, but when you have a healthy relationship, you get to that point, a wall goes up. And then finally, you can't have intimacy past where that wall is at. Husband, you get married. Husband wants to have sex. Can have a healthy sex life. Or, what will happen is that the person that is believing this lie, who's been sexually exposed, they'll either A, have no sex life, no capacity for intimacy, because they feel that this is bad. Or what they'll do is go the opposite way. And that, yeah, they will be everything. They just say, well, you know, if grandpa did it, maybe it's good, maybe it's free. And then they become, you know, someone that slept around with everybody. And is the healing in, let's go back into your mind and let's uh, erase the past. Can't erase the past. You can't erase memories. Hypnosis, dang it. 
What you have to do is you have to surrender to God and say, God, I've been hurt by men. I've been hurt by this. I've been hurt by God. I've been hurt. And God will say, let's go back and find the lie that you are believing. And let's bring the lie to the front. Because the lie is what has not been dealt with. Are you here? So what happens is, is we've all been affected by these lies to a certain degree. You say, Brother Palmer, you shouldn't preach this stuff for a Christian. We've been born again. No. You still have a mind that requires you to have renewing in it. How many people accept Jesus? Get born again. They have the word at their disposal. They have the power of God at their disposal. But they have not allowed the Holy Spirit to touch these areas. And what the Holy Spirit is saying, give me those areas so I can heal them totally and completely. So you can be free. So I can present you to your husband, to your wife, to your kids. Yes, amen. Yes. What's the best thing a single couple can do? Before you say, I do, make sure you are healed. Make sure you are whole. Make sure you are no longer broken. Make sure whatever's done you harm, you don't look at your spouse that way. Mm. Or you know what it'll be? The pastor, these people just keep coming to me for counseling. They keep coming for me to counseling. No, deliver your people, pastor. Deliver them. Are you hearing me tonight? Get free. Don't walk in that lie no more. Be free from that lie. Be free from that lie. Are you hearing me, guys? So the lies and its pain can be pushed down into the subconscious level. But you do not have to carry on life with them. You can allow the Holy Spirit to deal with those things in your life. And when those lies are exposed, God can set you. You free. Are you here? Write this down. In deliverance, the most important thing after your healing has taken place, after God has healed you, is to guard your thought life. Guard your mind. Understand your mind is the playing ground. Romans 7.23, Romans 8.5-7. The enemy can come and put thoughts in your mind. He did it to David. He did it to Judas. He did it to Ananias. Oh, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart? When the enemy's thoughts comes to you, you have a funny feeling about them. You'll know that when... See, when you are renewing your mind with God's thoughts... When you're renewing your mind on a daily basis with what is right, the thoughts of God. When a wrong thought comes, when a wrong thought is in your mind, you have a measuring stick. You got the Word of God. You're, every night, you're, this is what God's Word says. This is what God's Word says. This is what God's Word says. And because of that, when the enemy tries to put a thought in your mind, it will not seem what you've been reading the last seven to ten nights. It will seem different. You say, this isn't what the kind of thought that's been coming to my mind. But a person that's not reading God's Word, a person that's not renewing their mind, the enemy comes with a thought, you say, this must be true. Because you don't know what the real is like, so you accept the false. Because you don't know what's authentic. You don't know what's real. You look at, you never study diamonds? 
some guy tries to marry you, he gives you a cubic zirconium. You take it back off. <laughs> Look at what he got me. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's clear. Yeah, it's the princess cut. I love this thing. Walking around. He put a ring on it. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Instagram it. Bam. And someone on Instagram who's a diamond is like, <laughs> does she know who she's about to marry? <laughs> That's not real. Why? Because he spends his life studying diamonds. Boy, oh boy, that guy better not try to propose to some diamond, you know, study or someone that knows a lot about diamonds, because they'll find them out. So when you're studying the Word of God, the enemy will always have a difficult time trying to get his thoughts into your mind because he knows, he knows the authentic. Amen. Or, or, if you've been delivered, no, let's say it like this. Let's say you were in God's Word. And all of a sudden, a thought doesn't come from the enemy, but it rises up out of your own heart. All men are bad. Can't trust women. Can't trust women. Women will break your heart. Can't trust women. All of a sudden, that Word will snap on it. That's a lie. Because the Word of God that you put inside of you will always speak back to the lies of the devil. That's true. Amen. Subconsciously. You know how you know that you are a word person? You say, I'm a word person. I'm a word person. I, well, you know, you, you, somebody says, I'm a word person. I go to faith conference. No, I don't make you a word person. Mm -hmm. Makes you a faith conference goer. <laughs> I'm a word person. I got a podcast. <laughs> Don't make you a faith person. I'm a faith person. I, I watch TBN. <laughs> I'm wrong with TBN. But not everything on TBN I'd watched on my day off. Amen. Some stuff's good, some stuff's like, uh-huh, okay, Miracle Spring Water, okay. <laughs> what makes you a word person is when the Word of God is so rooted in you that it subconsciously reacts on its own to what the devil's saying. <laughs> you go to the doctor, Doctor, put your knee there, and he hits it, and he goes. Poof. Do that again, Doc. That was cool. Your knee kicks. Yep. Okay. Get up the table. Everything's fine. You didn't. They, they didn't knock your knee, and you say, "Okay, knee, kick." <laughs> Do it again, Doctor. Kick knee. You don't eat a strawberry and say, hmm, "That's a strawberry," and then you taste it and say, "Strawberry," and send it back up to your brain. Is that how it does it? You don't touch a hot stove and go. <laughs> That's you, I'll pray for you, you know. You're burning your hand, huh? Oh! You know what happens? Oh! Oh my gosh, that's hot! Whoa, that's, that's hot! You know what I did one time? I was, you know, I'm young and single. I'm, I'm crazy, okay? You know, I people, Sharon and Della in the back, they come in, they got to be like, oh, 
Reverend Palmer, your jacket's wrinkled. Let me iron that for you, you know? Because those guys, man, you know, it's hard for us to iron stuff. You just, you know, me, I'm a mess, okay? I need people, I need help, I need serious help. <laughs> they say, they're so sweet, they say, Brother Palmer, give us your jacket. We'll get right back to you. Take him out back, just trying to get that thing. Just wrinkle, just trying to get it unwrinkled. One day I was getting ready for a service or something. My shirt had wrinkles and I was getting ready to go out the door. I said, oh my, I got too many wrinkles. I can't wear this. Not even I can wear this. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't want, I had just done my hair, you know. I, five, five gallons of gel is a lot to just wash out one day. You know, just... <laughs> someone says, how much you weigh? I said, 162. They say, how much you weigh when you take your gel out? I said, 150. <laughs> so I, 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 I do this and all of a sudden they say, oh... I take the iron, I pull the iron in, I plug it in, the iron's going, the steam's coming out, right? I start ironing my shirt, uh, 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 forgetting that my shirt is connected to my body. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Sean's laughing back there, he's like <laughs> And I hit the steam, oh my gosh, oh, oh, oh. I was so, listen, I was 26 at the time. You know what I did? I dropped the iron on the floor, probably broke it, and ran up the stairs. It was so painful. I just ran up the stairs. I was running around the house like Kevin McAllister at Home Alone. Just, ah! <laughs> Lifted my shirt up, and there was a scar the size of two half dollars. And you want to know something today? It's still on my stomach. Yeah, when I go to the beach, I gotta make sure I can't shave nothing off my stomach. I used to shave my stomach hairs off. I gotta keep that to hide that scar. That's <laughs> yeah, still there. Reminder, don't iron with your shirt on. Take it off. Take your shirt off. Listen, take your shirt off when you iron, please. Jordan, take your shirt off when you iron. Just, just put out his... Well, I wish I'd have, I'd have worn that shirt with those wrinkles on it that day, just not to have this scar. I got this permanent scar. You idiot. Look what you did. You ironed with your shirt on. But the point I'm trying to make is, when I did that, boy, it, wow, almost passed out the pans of steam burn. Guess what? The minute the enemy's thought tries to come into your mind, oh, that's the devil's thought. Devil, take your thoughts. Get out of my mind. That's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Someone say it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. All men are not like that. My husband's a loving man. My wife is a loving woman. They're good people. They're good people. Right? You don't walk around with lies. You walk around in truth. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. When it's inside of me, I am constantly illuminated by God's truth. Amen. Amen. I'm going to finish with this. So how do you deal? You say, Brother Palmer, you talked about deliverance tonight. How do I do to find deliverance in my life? You guys, did you guys enjoy this at all tonight? Amen. I want to see people free. I realize that, that it's not about just a, a proper mentality. It's about let's find the root and pull that root out. Let's get to that root and just yes. I want. I, I told this to God this year. I said, God, I want more than anything. Give me fruit. Let me, my job as a minister, 
pastor, reverend, whatever you want to call me, is to find people and say, I can make you fruitful. Let me help you make you fruitful. And if you deal with fruit, you know what you have to deal with? Roots. The question is, in your life, when I see somebody producing bad fruit in their life, unfailed, unsuccessful marriages, unsuccessful relationships with people, dysfunctional homes, dysfunctional in the way they talk, dysfunction, this, dysfunction, that, dysfunction, 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 short circuit. I say, that's fruit. What's the root? Why can't they get along with people? Why are they always so angry? They go to church and they're Christians. Hey, listen, we've established a while back. They're not, it's not that they're not saved. It's not that Jesus didn't come and die. It's not that they don't read the Bible. Some people, listen, some people will come to church and try to read the Bible. And they will try to read it every day. And there is a system overload. They try to read the Word of God. And guess what happens? Because there's no deliverance in their life. Because the Holy Spirit hasn't come and set them free. They read the Word of God. They get distracted. They sit in church. They can't listen to the preacher. You know how people, you know how you know you need deliverance? When a preacher starts preaching, you start getting fidgety. Ah, when is he going to get done? Huh? Ah, 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 when is he going to get done? You, someone starts telling you, about, you start telling someone about Jesus, they start asking you questions. So, uh, are you going to eat that? No, I'm trying to talk to you about Jesus. Okay. Okay, uh, what time is it? It's 12.30, why? No, no. You get to tell them about Jesus again. They say, uh, uh, I can't hear. Is the music too loud? Will you just be quiet and let me talk to you about Jesus? This is, they're distracted. They need God to set them free. So the very first thing you do, write this down. I'll give you the notes. The first thing you do, it says in Psalm chapter 139, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You try my heart. You see if there's any wicked thing in me and you lead me into the path of everlasting righteousness. The very first thing that you do is you say, and I'm going to talk about this next week when I talk about the personal work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, search me and know me. Try my heart. Because it's not about being introspective. Being introspective is a work of the flesh. I got this in, I got that in, I got this in, I got that in, I got this in. You'll be doing that all day long. You'll be repenting of things you didn't do. You ever done that before? <laughs> I think I might have done that. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. God, I might have done that. Forgive me if I did it. Come on. Let the Holy Spirit say, we're going to deal with this. Oh Lord, search me. Know me. The second thing that you do is you repent. There's some people here today. You repent. Change your mind about things out of heart conviction. That's what repentance is. A husband that has been yelling at his wife only repents when he has a convicted heart. I was talking to a pastor. I was preaching in Indiana three weeks ago. We were talking about kids and he was telling me about discipline. He said, you know, I feel bad for my first, he has four, five kids, four. I don't know. What's the difference? <laughs> One kid, right? <laughs> he had five kids. He said, I feel bad for my boy. The boy is the oldest. I said, why? He said, my boy was the learning curve when it came to discipline. <laughs> he said, I used to spank him too hard. In love. He said, you know, he said, I remember one time I was, I was an angry person. 
And my son was watching TV and I said, where's the remote? Where's the remote? And my son said to me, where's the remote? Where's the remote? And he said, I yelled at my son for hiding the remote on me and I spanked him. And my kid cried. He said, after I spanked him, he said, I spanked him in anger. He said, I went in the kitchen to get something to drink and I realized I brought the clicker in the kitchen to make a sandwich and left it in there. I say, wow. I say, what did you do? He says, that was the moment when it all changed. I realized how I was acting. And I cried. And I cried and I cried and I cried. I say, well, why were you crying? He said, because I realized how wrong I had been treating my son. That is an unfortunate circumstance. It shouldn't always come to that. But guess what? He had a heart conviction. He'll never forget that moment. And from that point forward, every time he disciplined his kid, he put himself in check. When you have a heart conviction, I can't do this anymore. That's when deliverance comes knocking at your door. The next thing you do is you renounce. Renounce, Proverbs 28, 13 says, Happy is the man that confesses and renounces his sins because he will find freedom. What does it mean to renounce something? Renounce means is to give up by way of formal declaration. You confess Jesus as Lord, but you renounce your sin. There is power when you formally declare something. Do you know why some people do not get over things and why certain things do not die in people's lives? Is because the people will not confront those things. The Lord will bring it up to them, but they won't confront it. There is power, I believe, in confrontation. Do you know as believers in Christ, the way that you handle, you heard that scripture that, uh, where two or more gathered together in my name, there are mine in the midst. You know, we can use that as a practical application for prayer. But Jesus in Matthew 18 is simply talking about church government and how when two people will come together or three people will come together and appropriate the government of the kingdom in a certain place in that body, in the church, that God will approve of it. So when there's power in confrontation, the first thing you do when your brother's offended you is you don't go on Facebook and sub-Facebook them and just start Facebooking things that are directed towards that person. <laughs> Subtweet them, you know. I can't stand when people come to church wearing short dresses and wearing a, uh, their hair up. And you know the person you don't like just did that. You don't do that. You know what you do? You humbly go to that person and say, can we talk about something? This is going to stay between me, you, and the fence post. <coughs> if the person's wrong, then you go find a brother and you say this is what's going on and you don't go there to demolish them you go there to settle it if that person doesn't listen then you go to the pastor if the pastor and everyone agree and they go to that person and they don't listen then you rebuke them publicly if a person's in fornication in the church you know what you know what happens in fornication sometimes you're not out to embarrass people but you ought to protect people my spiritual father says a wolf you don't let that wolf eat your people you shoot him you got to confront stuff. And it goes also with sin. If there's sin in your life, you must confront that sin. That's right. You don't just say, <laughs> I was so stupid that night. My gosh, I can't believe I, I can't believe myself sometimes. I just tell you what, thank God for grace. No, you didn't confront it. And it will continue to grow teeth and fangs if you don't confront it. So you say, you know what, this is bad. We're taking this. Come here, sin. Come here. Okay. Lord. Destroy this in me. Amen? So you publicly renounce it. You say, in the name of Jesus, every door that I've given open to the devil, every door that I've given, I shut it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
every door I opened to the devil in my life. I tell you, devil, now in the name of Jesus, I command you, get your hands off this. You shut that door. You formally declare it. The ground comes back to God. And then you break off every attachment that you have to the devil. You may have lived a life of fornication. You can be attached to a person. People call them soul ties. What am I talking about? I just mean mental ties in your mind. When you get physical with somebody quickly, then you... I was talking to somebody about this and he was telling me he had a long-distance relationship. He said, the good thing about the long-distance relationship is, is when people are super physically attracted to each other and they can't control their flesh, they will live drunk their whole relationship. What I mean by drunk is just intoxicated, whether with liquor. I'm not talking about with liquor. I'm talking about with lust. If people that are, people that, guys and their girls that date, if they're not controlling their flesh, a guy will go on a date with a girl or vice versa, wherever the lust is working, and all their conversations will be after one thing, get them to the end that you want. So you never really get to know that person. You say the right things to that person so you get what you want in the end. And guess what? That's wrong. And so when you do that and you give yourself away in that manner, guess what happens? You then become attached to that person. And memories bring you back to the past. And thoughts bring you back to the past. You need to take every attachment to the devil and break it in your life. Amen. Amen. People that are in witchcraft. You don't think that people are in witchcraft in this area? Occult practices, I can guarantee you. If they are, you will know about it because they do it in secret. You know, sometimes, I was praying one time, and the service was dry as a bone. Dry. I say to the pastor, this service is dry. Are there witches in your area? Mm -hmm. I said to him, I said, you know what? I was praying today. I was asking God, why is it I pray? Why is it that I fast? Why is it that I come in here ready to preach the Word of God, and I go to preach, and there's no power? No one saved. No fruit. I took it to God in prayer. I was in Ohio. Like around, I forgot Lima, I forgot where area. It was in Ohio. Why is this God? God says there are witches in the area that are praying against people like you. No, don't talk about that at the church, Philip. Don't talk about that. Visitors won't come back. Let them go. <laughs> yeah. They find the other church down the street, they'll find what they like at that church. I said to the pastor, Pastor, are there witches? He says, Yeah. Actually, they meet. I know where they meet. Mm. <laughs> I think, well, let's go on now. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> that is why we must pray. That's right. Because I know as a fact that there are. Do you ever get woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning in the middle of nowhere with fright? What do you think is happening? You think that hot dog's talking to you that you ate? <laughs> think those smoothies you've been drinking late at night are coming back to you? No. We are in a spiritual battle, people. Yeah, amen. And my God, we need to be spiritual people. We need amen. to come together, one heart, one mind, get over, get delivered, and start praying. Yeah, that's right. You know why people can't get into intercession? Because <laughs> once they start interceding, they start coming up against their problems.
and they never can get past those to get to other people's problems. Mm. They start praying, Father, we pray in Jesus' name for the body of Christ worldwide. We pray this, and you start thinking, but oh, I'm so bad at what I do. I can't do this. Yo, oh, God, deliver me from this, God. Oh, God, help me. Get delivered, and let's get on to intercession. Amen. 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 Stand to your feet tonight in Jesus' name. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly, so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with Chris Palmer.